before we get started, if I could ask you all to make sure that your phones are on silent or switched off. At the end of the session, we'd be really grateful if you could leave the auditorium, even if you are planning on staying for the book signing, um, just so that we have to some time to, to prepare the room. We'll also have some time for questions at the end, but because we're recording everything today, please do wait for the microphone to come to you um, so that we can get everything that you say. Finally, we'd like to take this opportunity to thank both Christie's Education and the Arts Council England for their sponsorship of Forum this year, as well as Art Review for their partnership with us. This week, we've explored an incredible range of themes, focusing yesterday on architecture, technology and design, whilst returning to concepts of interdisciplinary practice and the issues that accompany this term. Yesterday saw the coming together of architects, designers, curators and artists and so questions were also raised about the role of a practitioner and their relationships to one another. This afternoon we are very fortunate to be joined by Karen Greenberg and Andre Magnan who will be taking our discussion into the realms of photography, discussing the work of the highly influential Malian photographer Malik Sidibe. Curator of international art at Tate Modern, Karen leads Tate's Africa Acquisitions Committee and is responsible for formulating Tate's strategy in the region. She has created multiple solo exhibitions, including those of Marlene Dumas, Michette Garber, and Francis Elise, as well as many group exhibitions. At Tate Modern, she has also organized large-scale retrospectives, for example, of Joan Miro and Mark Rothko, and has curated displays of Jane Alexander, William Kentridge, and Ibrahim El-Salahi, again amongst many others. Karen also regularly publishes and lectures on contemporary art. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I'm going to introduce... Karen is going to introduce Andre. Firstly, thank you so much to all of you for coming. I know it's been a very long week and there's been many events, uh, both at 1 to 54, but also at Freeze that probably many of you have attended. So uh, we're at the end of that almost. So th big thanks for making it today. Um, it gives me great pleasure to be here with Andre Magnin um, on the occasion of Malik Sidabel's first kind of solo exhibition in the United Kingdom. We'll spend approximately 45 minutes talking about Cedar and then open up to the questions from the floor, as Annabelle mentioned. Uh, one of the things that I want to do today is really talk about some of the myths and misconceptions that are out there about Malik Cedar And uh, yesterday, or on Thursday, I can't recall when, uh, Andre said to me, make <laughs> sure you don't make any mistakes. <laughs> I said to him, well, there's a lot of... Uh, of irregularities, let's call it that, in the literature. So that's why you're here to correct me if I do make any mistakes. And the first thing, of course, is I've put circa 1936 as Malik Sidibe's birth date because there's 1935 and 36 in the literature. I'm not sure whether you know the answer to that, but <laughs> maybe you can <laughs> correct me as we go along. <laughs> uh, so to introduce um, Malik first, and then I'll introduce Andre. Um, of course, Malik was born and raised in um, Solaba, which, was a which is a rural village in um, Mali. He began by drawing portraits, and he was recognized for these, and um, indeed drew many portraits in his family home and village, and became very well known for doing so. Later, those drawing skills led him to being selected to study at the School of Sudanese Craftsmen, which is now the Institute at National De Des Arts in Bamako. 
And it was there that he met a French photographer in 1952, and that was to become a, a really key moment in his career. Uh, having met this French photographer, who you can pronounce his name far better than I ever could, maybe you could... Gérard. Comment? Gérard Guilla. Gérard Guilla. la pellicule. So this, this sort of chance encounter really uh, became an important moment in CW's career and uh, ultimately led him to becoming a photographer and establishing his own studio. Uh, so here you see uh, Malik and a younger Andre Magnac. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Looking very glamorous. Oh my um, God. But of course, of course, Andre met uh, Malik many years ago, so they've had a long-term relationship. Uh, Malik Sidebeer bought his first camera, Brownie Flash, I think in 1956. And indeed, when I went to visit him in 2009, he still had that um, Brownie Flash camera. Of course, it wasn't the one that he was using at that moment, but he became really um, passionate about photography and about cameras, so he collected many cameras. Um, but it was his work in this newly independent country um, that made him such an important photographer. But the work that he was making was very much for a local audience. Uh, through the 60s and 70s, and uh, it's really only in the last 15 years of his life that he achieved <coughs> this level of international recognition. In 2003, he won the Hasselblad Foundation International Award in Photography, and in 2007, he became the first African artist to win the Golden Lion Award at the Venice Biennale, a major recognition of all his hard work over the decades. In 2008, he won the Infinity Award from the International <coughs> Center of Photography in New York, and in 2010, the Arts and Entertainments category at the World's Press Photo Competition. <coughs> Upstairs, you will have probably seen the exhibition of approximately 45 photographs in the terrace rooms. It is the first of its kind in this country, as far as I'm aware. There have been other smaller scale oh. presentations. When I heard that, uh, I was very surprised because we organized maybe 100 exhibitions around the world, except in UK, yeah. because of Brexit. <laughs> Probably uh, not the only reason. Pray Brexit. <laughs> but it's, it's the sort of form of 1 to 54 that has made so many things possible. So a big thanks to Toria and to Koyo for both uh, making this exhibition possible with Somerset House, but also the opportunity to really discuss these issues. Because I think London art scene has changed considerably in the last five years. Um, I've been in, in the UK now 10 years and have seen a dramatic shift uh, towards a greater appreciation and understanding of African art in this fair and the talks programs around it have, have played a really important role in that. So it is the first, but it's, it's um, hopefully not going to be the last. So uh, the last one in, 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 in England? the UK. In the UK. Why not? Uh, I, we, we prepare very big, very big monography. Uh, in a, in a, in a retrospective uh, for next year. The first was. The first was in uh, the Cartier Foundation in 1996, and the second very big exhibition, much bigger than the 86, will be next year at the Cartier Foundation with the new book. Something uh, to look forward to. So maybe this show can come in in UK again. That'd be lovely. <laughs> so. Just wanted to briefly introduce Andre Magnana. I've put up a slide of uh, the exhibition Magicians de la Terre, which is, is actually an in-process installation shot. Many of you will, will know this exhibition, of course, but um, I bring it up because Andre Magnana was very influential in that show. 
Manya had been an independent curator since 1979, but he started working on non-Western contemporary art in 1986 in preparation for this major exhibition, which took place both at the Centre Pompidou and at the Grand Halle de la Villette in <coughs> Paris, as I said, in 1989. Now, this exhibition included major works by uh, Esma Slangu from South Africa, Suprin Tokudagba from Benin, for example, but uh, Manik Sidibe is absent from this show. Uh, at this exhibition, there was absolutely no photographer, because in the in 89, the market photography uh, don't exist at that time, sure. except Jeff Wall, uh, Nan Goldin, and a few. Uh, but in the in the art world, the, the photo we know very very few. So in this exhibition, there was no no uh, photographer. But things change quite dramatically, quite quickly, don't they? Yeah. And, uh, After 94. Yeah. I think so. I bring up this exhibition the because... The first Bamako... Uh, Rencontres de Bamako, yeah. the Biennale that happens in Mali. Um, I bring up this exhibition because it attracted a huge amount of attention. It was um, very controversial at the time, but it did attract the attention of one particular person, which was Jean Pagotzi. And that was the moment when, Andre, you began to work with Jean and indeed established the CAAC Pagotzi collection, um, which is now one of the most substantial collections of contemporary African art in the world, and includes artists such as Seydou Keita, Malik Sidibe, Frederick Bouli-Boabre, Sherry Samba, Romuald Hazume, Boris Izekangeles, just to name a few. But it was that relationship, as I understand it, that then led you to spend 20 or so years spending half your time in Africa and Europe, and ultimately led to to you meeting Malik Sidibe. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that first encounter with Sidibe. Um, uh, uh, it's true, I met Johnny Pigozzi the, the last day of the Magicien de la Terre, and he was so surprised, but there was 100 uh, artists from all over the world, uh, 50 Occidental artists, like Klaus Oldenburg, like... Uh, Nam Junpek, like Aligiro Boeti, and Kawara, and so on, so on, so But 50 artists come from all other countries, like Papua New Guinea, uh, uh, Grand Nord, the Grand Nord? Grand? The Grand Nord. Grand Nord. The, the North. The North. Where the highs. The, the far North. The Grand Nord. And South America, Australia, and particularly Africa. And it's true, I start to travel in Africa in 86 uh, for Malaysian Terre. On the last day, when I met Johnny Pigazzi, congratulations, and he told me, what is your dream for tomorrow? I say, oh, what do you want, this guy? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I tell him I traveled three, less than three years in Africa. Africa is uh, 54 countries. Uh, and uh, two years or three years in Africa, it's nothing. And uh, uh, Africa is extremely rich, every way. A lot of artists, a lot of music, a lot of uh, fashion, etc., etc., etc. And uh, I told him, uh, we have to, in Africa there is no galleries, no museum, except in South Africa, sorry, uh, at that time. And uh, I tell him there is artist, there are artists every way. And uh, he told me, okay, I pay you, and you, you, 
we organized a big collection together. I say, well, that's my dream. <laughs> and we start. But Johnny Pigas, if, uh, if we talk about C.D. Uh, Beketa and other photographers, Pigazzi was a, a great photographer because he invited, did I invent it? He invented? He invented mm -hmm. the selfie in 1974. Mm -hmm. He was the first to make only selfie. And he was, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> except, no, except, except Man Ray or people like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Thank you. Uh, but he was the first uh, photographer to do only selfies. So, and he published his first book in 77. Nobody has seen because it's uh, impossible to find this book. But try to find this book, you will see. Uh, is not is not uh, is true. So, so uh. did he suggest that you take a particular look at photographers, or was that uh, your no, not exactly. Uh, but he loved photography, and in this show, Magician de la Terre, there was no photographer. Okay. And by chance, we was in New York in '91 to see the Susan Vogel show, uh, Africa Explores. And in this show, there was a few uh, uh, old prints, vintage, and the label was Unknown Photographer Bamako Mali. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because he loves this, uh, this picture. And uh, I told him, I know enough Africa to, to tell you if he's still living, I will find him. Mm -hmm. So, I go immediately to Bamako with three photocopies, and I, take a, I took a, a I found, I found a driver, very good driver, he's my friend now, after 30 years, and uh, 26 years, and uh, uh, he, no, he don't speak any French, but he, he was a very nice man. And uh, he took me here, in front, but there was, at that time there was no picture on the wall. Because this is quite a late picture. This is yeah. what I took in 2009. But it was the same studio that you found yeah. in 1991. Exactly. And that Malik had been in since the Since the 62. Yeah. So he opened his studio in 62. <laughs> and there was only, only Studio Malik. Uh, he was in front, nothing on the wall. And uh, he repaired photography. And I, I show him uh, these three uh, photocopies, and he told me, oh, that is Keita. And he told me, he's still living, he's living near the prison, and uh, he took me to Keita. So the unknown photographer was Sedu Keita. <laughs> very, very easy. And, <laughs> and then, did you go back to Malik after you'd oh spent yes. time with Sedu? And of course, first, we did the show uh, in 94 at Cathy Foundation. Uh, uh, the first, uh, the first monography, and uh, Keta told me that Malik was the great photographer for young people. Yeah. Uh, when twist rock and roll, Yula Hope, uh, Afro-Cuban music come uh, uh, in the in early in the sixties, so tell me you have to see his work. And Malik opened his archives, five hundred thousand pictures, uh, negatives. Not quite. Yeah, incredible. <laughs> And uh, after Keta, we did the first show at the Cartier Foundation in 96. But before that, he was shown uh, uh, in Bamako for the first, the first uh, uh, rencontre photographique de la photo. 
So nobody discovered Keta, nobody discovered Malik CDB. I say to everybody, the Malian uh, people discovered these two uh, great photographers because they were extremely good, extremely famous in Bamako. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, Malik recognized the three my English is okay? Your English is perfect. That's three. That's three. recognize immediately the three vintage. So all the people in Bamako know Saluketa. So uh, uh, through the rencontre photographique de Bamako and through the, the shows we did with Johnny Pigozzi with this collection, uh, we make happen Keta, Sidibeo, Jekere, and so on so, are very famous in the world, but we don't discover. Yeah. Uh, Keta. Maybe Susan Vogel <laughs> discovered Susan Keta, <laughs> but so, I mean, it was unknown. They, they were making photographs for a local audience, weren't they? Can you talk a little bit about the differences, as you see it, between Seydou Keta and Malik Sidebeer? Because, of course, there's a, they're a different generation, but they also had, had a different approach, a different uh, It's totally different because Seydou Keta was uh, uh, make only studio. Uh, <coughs> at that time, there was no rock and roll. No, no hula hoop, uh, and Keta was extremely strict, uh, strict Muslim. Uh, he don't, he don't talk to anybody, but he was extremely precise with his uh, picture. And uh, uh, 15 years later, because Keta opened his studio in 48, and Malik in 62, so that makes 15 years. But during these 15 years, uh, Mali become independent, mm -hmm. the rock and roll, uh, hula hop, twist, pop music, and fashion, everything come in, in Bamako, everything? Everything, yes, everything. Thank you to correct me. Um, everything come in Bamako, and Malik was focused on the young people mm -hmm. who organized party every Friday, Saturday, and that's why the most part of the CDB uh, uh, um, um, images yeah. come from the surprise party. Here, it does twist. And the title is Look at Me. Malik always put the title because he remembers this, this, uh, this time very well. And this guy, uh, uh, intent, attendez. 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 Oh, attendez. 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 Oui, waiting. Just waiting. Attendez que Malik uh, prenne la photographie. Was expecting Took him to take yeah. the photo. Was expecting him to take the photo. Because Malik was uh, extremely timid, shy. 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 Mm -hmm. And uh, when he come, when he come with the, the, the DJ Garasha, who import the 45 uh, um, vinyl. 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 They was together. Now when they come, they was invited every Friday, <coughs> Saturday. There was maybe ten different parties, and uh, uh, when uh, uh, all the young people uh, uh, expect Malik to be the photographer, and when he come, everybody say Malik is there. We can start the party now, <laughs> and he, he was very shy. Okay, he, he sit down on the table with a, a sucre. How many Sucre, a soda, and uh, he look everybody, every, every, everything. Sometimes, tack, like this one. Absolutely. So he would 
stay in his studio to almost midnight, and then he would go and do party after party. He might do four or five parties between midnight and 6 a.m., moving uh, between the clubs. And as you say, being in the shadows, being in the sort of background of, of these clubs and trying to catch that really particular moment. Can you talk a little bit about um, Mali at that moment? I mean, we're talking early 1960s. Of course, Mali gained independence from France in, in 1960. But it, the incoming president initiated a socialist, kind of African socialist regime. There was a crackdown on opposition. Um, there was also militia that then would go around the streets and ensure that people were behaving in a so-called appropriate manner. And yet there was this underground life happening that Malik was sort of documenting. I wonder if you could sort of talk about that moment and what it meant to, to be focusing on the youth. Hmm. Uh, I, 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 I was very young at the time and I, I, don't, I know nothing about Mali, but it's true, uh, uh, Modi Boketa was socialist. But uh, it was also the, the first day of independence, mm. and the young people were so happy, was uh, free. They, they can dance, uh, twist, rock and roll. In the past, only traditional music. Yeah. And, and Malik told me um, uh, the music was extremely important because uh, during the party, the, the, the women and the, and the, and the, the men and the women uh, can touch themselves because they dance slow, they dance uh, rock and roll, and they touch the hand, and they, they are like that. Uh, rain and tears, so you are like that. <laughs> 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 and Malik, uh, uh, it, it was the first time in Mali the, uh, the girls and the men can touch themselves. Touch so, each other. Touch each other. Made themselves too. <laughs> 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 Each other. Sorry, <laughs> I touched myself. <laughs> and uh, Malik told me uh, the 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 music from who are coming from Cuba or, or, or Europe uh, was changed everything in the life because for the first time. The, the girls can kiss the men, or the men can, can kiss the, the girls. And the parents was not there. So, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the military was on the street, I don't know, yeah. I was not there. Yeah. But people told me at the time it was extremely fantastic every way. Yeah. Free, we was free. I mean, Manthea Diawara, who, who did live through that moment, um, said curfews were set and youth caught wearing miniskirts, tight skirts, bell-bottom pants and Afro hairdos were sent to re-education camps. Their heads were shaved and they were forced to wear traditional clothes, which seems to be in sharp contrast to the images that we're seeing here. So, I mean, I think that's what makes this kind of work so much more interesting is that, and significant, is that the sharp contrast, both with colonial-era studio portraiture, where there's quite stiff sort of sitters in front of the camera, but also, it's telling us so much about the attitudes and ethos of the youth of Mali at a really kind of pivotal moment in the country's history. So this is one of the most iconic images, and certainly mm. one that you've publicized quite a lot through your exhibitions and, and books that you've made on Malik Sidibert. And I was wondering if you could sort of say why you think it has become so iconic. Oh, um, I think this image is iconic because she is beautiful. And why it's so beautiful? Look at, 
look at the men, look at the girl. Il rit, il sourit. They are smiling. And Malik explained me the, the, the boy teach his sister to dance twist. And uh, it, uh, comment dire, there is a, il y a beaucoup de tendresse. There's a lot of tenderness. Il y a de la tendresse. Il y a des, comment dire, on voit, on sent la liberté de ces jeunes qui mm -hmm. sont heureux de danser le twist, en même mm -hmm. temps que, en même temps, sorry to take it French, okay. uh, um, mm -hmm. uh, en même temps que qu'on danse le twist à Paris, uh, à Londres uh, uh, et, et aux États-Unis, ben, mm -hmm. eux, eux dansent, font les mêmes danses, écoutent la même musique, donc ils font partie de cette modernité, mm -hmm. uh, uh, ils vivent cette modernité, uh, ça, ça crée, ça crée une, une euphorie chez les jeunes, et cette photo est certainement iconique, ben, déjà dans la pose. Euh, euh, les, les vêtements, mm -hmm. la tendresse et, et, euh, et cette jeunesse qui découvre euh, en fait enfin la liberté et, et, et la joie euh, qui, est, qui est partagée avec le monde entier, mm -hmm. okay. enfin une partie du monde. Yeah, um, it's, it's the fact is that the, these two young people are feeling their freedom and they're very happy. They're doing these dances at the same time as people are dancing the same dances in Paris and London, the same dance and the same music, and they're able to take part, along with Paris and London, in modernity. And so this is, has created an, a euphoric atmosphere. It's iconic because of the pose, because of the clothes, and because of the tenderness there. You're seeing two young people finding their freedom. No, I think so. Koyo. <laughs> 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 Is it true or not? I totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but look at when I've seen this image, I say, my God. No, everybody in the world can say it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, look at the, the, the men who smile, the, the girls with, with his face. You know, everything is there. The life is there. The happiness is there. I mean, as um, the youth in Mali are engaging with a universal youth culture, I think Sidibe is also engaging with universal kind of um, movie posters, album covers, popular magazines, and that language too. And I was wondering if you would agree that he's, he's kind of thinking about the covers of the vinyls that are playing in, in the clubs and so on, in the way that he's composing his images. She has a very good English, huh? <laughs> 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 My French is non-existent, When I talked to Seduketa, not Malik, Seduketa told me he never had any books in his hand because it was too expensive first. The only book they, they have, Malik Sidibe, Kreta, and many others, was uh, um, um, le, le Catalogue de Manu France. Maybe you the don't know in England. Manu, in Manu England. France? Yeah, it was, a, it was a, a big shop who sell every, everywhere in the world through a catalogue. And in, in this catalogue, they sell Salad du Slip jusqu'au costume. Euh, les chapeaux et tout, euh, dans, un, dans un catalogue, euh, dans un catalogue qui est aussi... Vous parlez d'un catalogue de retail, c'est pour la fashion 
So, and now you told me about books and magazine, but yeah. there was no books, no magazine because it was too expensive. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I, I'm talking more popular culture, so I'm talking sort of advertisement, album covers. Oh yeah. That type of material. Oh yeah, on the, uh, uh, the covers on, of vinyl, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. But I never seen any image on the, on a, I'm a, collect, a vinyl collector. Yeah. I never seen this. But more in terms of the attitude, rather than yeah. replicating composition. Yeah, they, they, that's why it's very important, because African people create uh, themselves um, a <coughs> uh, uh, modern image, mm -hmm. you know. Like 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 Hendrix on the on the cover, like like the Beatles when they crossed, uh, uh, you know you know the, this album of the Beatles, you know, you can you can, we can we can discover in the Magic CD Bay. It's almost like the Beatles, you know, but they never seen the Beatles. <laughs> I mean, I think one can see the passage of time in, in Cedar Bear's pictures. You can see the changing fashion trends, but also musical taste, movies and uh, hairstyles and so on. I'm going to um, take us through just a few. <coughs> yeah, look at the, the, these three men. Uh, you, you must know, I try in French. J'ai honte de mal parler anglais. That is my dream to speak English, <laughs> like you. So, uh, uh, um, all the young uh, in in Bamako. No, no, français. À Bamako, tous les jeunes, les garçons, les garçons étaient organisés en club, et ils donnaient. Uh, uh, Ils donnaient le nom, le nom de leur, de leur euh, comment dire, le nom de leur club correspondait aux vedettes euh, ou, ou à ce qu'ils savaient de la musique, de la mode, euh, de l'ambiance, euh, principalement en France. Mm -hmm. Voilà. Et par exemple, euh, les trois jeunes, les trois jeunes, voilà, 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 voilà. les trois jeunes là, c'était, c'était le club des Saint Germain des, non, du FBI, du FBI mm -hmm. ou club des Saint Germain des Prés. Uh -huh. et, 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 et Malik Sidibé ne savait pas comment s'écrivait FBI. Donc il a écrit E-F-B-I-I. H-A. Nobody he, he don't know what, 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 mm -hmm. what does that mean, FBI. Okay. So FBI, mm -hmm. it's like a cry, you know, a rock and roll cry. And, uh, um, uh, oh, uh, chaque, chaque jeune, tous les jeunes étaient organisés en club. Il y avait mm -hmm. le club des Beatles, le club des 203, le club des Vespa, euh, le, club, le club des Clochards, le club des Intellectuels, le club de Saint-Germain-des-Prés, le club... Euh, oh, they, took, they took from France many, many... Oh, also from, uh, from rock and roll band like Beatles, Hendrix, uh, Rolling Stones. Mm -hmm. The club of the Rolling Stones exists. I, 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 I found in his ar archives all the pochettes. And on the pochette, he put, he put the name of the, of the, of the club. And the uh, uh, club, the club faisait les concurrences pour attirer les plus jolies filles, the most beautiful girls, mm -hmm. through uh, fashion and uh, 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 ceux qui avaient les, les, les 45 tours ou les 33 tours les plus 
les plus à la mode qui venaient juste de sortir à Paris, mm -hmm. ils les recevaient à Bamako. Et donc, les jeunes se faisaient concurrence. Euh, euh, et, et ceux qui étaient les plus à la mode et qui avaient la musique la plus à la mode attiraient plus les filles que les autres clubs. Et, et c'est pour ça qu'il y avait ces, ces, cette folie le vendredi et le samedi. Mm -hmm. okay. Sorry. That's okay. I, I'm a little bit ashamed of my English. I, would, I dream of speaking as well as you. Um, <laughs> in Bamako, all of the boys uh, were organized into clubs, and they took the names of the clubs uh, from the stars that they knew from France specifically, but also from music and from the whole atmosphere that was existing at the, ti the time in France. So, for example, the, the young people had names of clubs like the FBI and Saint-Germain-des-Prés, And, uh, Beatles. The Beatles, uh, yes. Right. Not only in France, but also America. Just in America. generally yeah. Yeah, international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Not only in France. Um, True. Uh, Malik Sidibe didn't know what FBI meant, <laughs> and so he got the, the name all wrong. Um, but uh, the young people's clubs, yes, they had clubs called the Beatles, uh, two or three after the car, Vespa, um, Tramps, um, Intellect, lots and lots of different names. And they got these ideas from France, but also from rock and roll stars like the Beatles, Jimi mm. Hendrix and the Rolling Stones. And when I was looking at the archives, I found the, the sleeves of the records and he put, he put the names of the clubs on them. So this would yeah. so be an example. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's an example. Mm -hmm. On the cover, he put the date, the exactly uh, right date. That's, that's uh, 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 the way for him to, to date the, the print we did mm -hmm. uh, uh, from the 80s, uh, 90s, uh, until he died. Because the date was uh, on, the, on the cover. Perhaps the I name of the finish. club. Okay, sorry. Um, so the, the clubs used to compete to get the most beautiful women um, through their fashion and uh, through, um, through getting the... Because the, 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 all of the fashion was coming to Bamako at the time. And so these clubs competed through getting the most beautiful women and the most fashionable uh, boys and girls uh, to be better and more fashionable and get the most beautiful women and do it better than other clubs. And this really led to this wild... Uh, this wild partying on Fridays and Saturdays. So I'm going to come back to the pochette because I think they're fascinating. I Can mean, I he was... Is this a pochette? What are they exactly? Okay, so that's what we'll explain. Mm. Mm -hmm. they, they were sort of sheets of paper about this big okay. with the little kind of prints and Malik, as I understand it, would spend Friday and Saturday nights photographing in multiple clubs. He'd then work through the night to make sure that he could develop his negatives and print these small con contact kind of sheets. Six by... Uh, They're very uh, small, uh, they? Very small, six by nine. Okay. And because the, the, the young people can, can recognize themselves and they can make a choice. When you, when you see CK, somebody choice. And they print this one because the, <coughs> the client make choice. Okay, you see, uh, across. So, so Malik would have put these up in his studio and on Mondays and Tuesdays, the young people who'd been in the clubs would come and select which images they wanted to purchase. So in fact, these pochettes remained with Malik Zidabeh in his archive, and the images that he then printed larger would have been bought and uh, taken home by the clients. Exactly. But one, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was the difficulty of obtaining vintage photographs, because of course they're dispersed amongst all the different families, 
and some of them didn't actually make it. They were put in people's back pockets, sent to family abroad, mm. and so on. So can you talk a little bit about, A, why uh, these young people wanted to be photographed, and then when they took the photographs, what, what did they do with them? And ultimately, how that's been challenging for you as a curator? Um, I met Mantia Diawara, who, who lives in Bamako, now he's in USA, mm -hmm. great professor, and, uh, uh, and he explained to me uh, that they, they, they order pictures, first to have themselves, the memories of this party, secondly to send to the family in France or in New York or in Germany, I don't know where, and in, in, a, in an envelope. That's why the, the, size, the size of the envelope uh, is uh, like Eight. that, you know? Eight. And the, 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 the prince was exactly the same size to send to, send to, to Europe or USA uh, the, the prince. But there was also for themselves, they put in an album to have the memories, like you, like me, when I was young. I love to see me to dance twist and rock and roll. So, uh, uh, but now it's uh, extremely difficult to find vintage because uh, much of them uh, disappear. So they, they crashed because of the sun, because they put them in the pocket, because, uh, uh, except I found to a framer, uh, a, a very old framer, a framer is living in front of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of the Malik Sidibe uh, uh, studio. And by chance, Malik told me, and by chance, uh, the client never come take back the, the picture. So I found maybe 100, 200 Seducator Malik Sidibe there. It's, the it's a miracle. Some of you might have seen these frames. They're, they're hand-painted, very colorful, and uh, they've been exhibited uh, a couple of times mostly in the United States, I believe. He never do that. But no, but it's the clients who would have taken the pictures to the framer mm. rather than... than very, very, very few. Jack Shedman do that. Mm. But uh, the, the, it was very expensive to, <coughs> to, to, frame, to, to frame the, the, the pictures and it was most expensive to ask to, to, to make colors. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, when Malik became famous, uh, there were some people who found pictures and they asked to the framer last year, two years ago, to, to paint. Right. But I never do that. So, so you would have found these 200-odd photographs in the framer's studio and they were just images that people hadn't picked up. So that's what you said, right? Yeah, because, uh, because it was too expensive, they have no money to pay to pay the framer, and they forgot. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so what you see upstairs are actually new prints, relatively recent. Of course, they're life prints, so you'll see a double dating. The date that photographs were taken in and then the date that they were printed in. Can you talk a little bit about scale? Because, of course, you've, you've said how they were originally quite small prints made for people's pockets, made to be sent easily. Uh, the scale upstairs is, of course, made for a wall. So when does this transition happen between prints made for a local audience and then for an international audience? And it seems to me that the, the change in scale coincides. Mm -hmm. Uh, vous voulez répéter, pardon? Uh, 
quand c'était la transition entre les petites photos pour les pochettes mm -hmm. et les, les, les photos plus grandes échelles Alors, euh, d'abord, il faut savoir que euh, euh, la, majorité des, la majorité des jeunes qui commandaient les photographies, c'était pour la mémoire ou pour envoyer aux, aux amis en Europe, n'est-ce pas Ou aux États-Unis. Parce qu'on peut, we can find some pictures of Malikovsky Lukita in New, in New York. Mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult, but it's possible. Um, And these would have been images that had been posted by relatives yeah. from Malikovsky. But sometimes there was cli client in Bamako who, who asked. Attendez, uh, vous avez dit quelque chose en français Au début, non French or English? Vous avez commencé en français, non Oui. Donc, juste avant de continuer, la plupart des jeunes ont pris les photographes either just for, for the memory or sometimes to send them to their friends in Europe or the United States. And some of these photographs actually can be found in New York. It's a little bit difficult, but it can be done. Donc, ce que je veux dire, can you translate this question, please uh, Alors, que je veux dire. La question, c'est sur la transition. Quand, uh, quand c'est devenu les grands formats. Oui, oui c'est ça. Voilà, oui. voilà. Et, et euh, vous, devez, vous devez savoir que euh, le, le papier, le papier euh, photo maximum, la, le format maximum qu'on pouvait trouver, en tout cas à Bamako, mais j'imagine que c'était partout en Afrique de l'Ouest parce que ça coûtait très très cher, mm. c'était 30 par 40 cm. Et certains clients qui avaient de l'aisance, qui étaient, on va dire, riches, mm -hmm. commandaient des photos 30-40. On peut trouver des photos de Keta, mais aussi de Sidibé, jusqu'à 30-40 cm. Mm -hmm. Par exemple, euh, 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 il y avait un... un, un, un comment il s'appelle, Philippe euh, euh, Celui qui faisait les habits à la mode. Bon, il uh, uh, y avait quelqu'un qui faisait les habits à la mode des années 70. Et lui, il était riche. Et lui, il a commandé des photos de, de 30 par 47. Uh, uh, Bello Non. Ballo Ballo Ballo. Ballo. Was a fashion. fashion uh, uh, not victim, a fashion. Créateur uh, <rire> Créateur, oui, oui. Styliste. Lui était riche et mm -hmm. il, a, il a commandé des 30 par 40 parce qu'il il était riche. Mm -hmm. Donc, euh, ce n'est pas, pas nous qui avons les premiers fait des grands tirages, ce sont les Maliens eux-mêmes, quand ils avaient mm -hmm. de l'argent. Mais, euh, comme Malik l'a dit, euh, en 91-92, lorsque j'ai beaucoup parlé avec lui pour, pour la, dans la perspective de cette exposition à Paris et le livre, il m'a expliqué que d'abord il avait fait l'école des beaux-arts, n'est-ce pas, mm -hmm. à, à Bamako, et, et qu'il savait que sa photographie était de l'art. Mm -hmm. C'est pas moi qui l'ai inventé, c'est lui. Mm -hmm. euh, et, et, et lorsque nous avons fait la, les premières expositions, euh, les négatifs étaient d'une telle qualité, d'abord c'était les négatifs 6-6 pour la, pour la plupart, mm -hmm. aussi 24-36, mais pour la plupart 6-6, et les photos étaient d'une telle, telle qualité que pour voir la beauté de l'image, on, on s'est autorisé, avec son accord évidemment, mm -hmm. euh, tous les tirages ont été faits, supervisés par lui à Paris, mm -hmm. dans les, chez les deux printeurs, et, et euh, quand il a vu ces tirages, il dit c'est fantastique, mm -hmm. mais à Bamako on ne trouvait pas le format de ce papier. Mm -hmm. Et puis les gens ne mettaient pas au mur, on est, on est musulman, donc on ne met pas beaucoup d'images au mur, mm -hmm. euh, on les garde plutôt dans, sa, dans, dans mm -hmm. des petits albums. 
Et donc, quand, compte tenu de la beauté de ces images, on a fait des 50-60, 40-50, 50-60, et quelques-unes 100 par 100 pour exposer, pour montrer euh, euh, que la photographie de Manix CDB, ce n'était pas seulement du reportage, c'était certes du reportage, mais mm -hmm. aussi euh, euh, de l'art revendiqué par lui-même. Mm -hmm. Voilà. Euh, okay. <rire> um, yes, the, the maximum size of the photographic paper that could be found at that time in Banaco and even in West Africa was 30 by 40 centimeters, and it was very expensive. Um, so the rich people could afford to have this maximum size of 30 by 40. For example, there was a fashion designer whose name was Bayou, um, who ordered uh, in the 70s, who ordered these uh, prints of 30 by of size of 30 by 40. So um, it, it was the, the Malian people who, who actually started producing this, this size. In 1991-1992, um, when I was with uh, Malik Sidibé, uh, and uh, he, he, he had been at the École des Beaux-Arts in Bamako, and he knew that his photographs were art, and uh, not just photos, but art. And so when we did the first e exhibition together, most of the negatives were six by six only, but they were of extremely good quality. So with his authority and supervised by him, they were able to uh, enlarge these photographs, but they couldn't find the paper of that size in Africa at the time. Uh, in Mali, people tended not to put the photographs on the walls. They, they tended to just keep them uh, somewhere else for their memories. So, but, but they were able to enlarge them to around 50 by 60 for the show. And so it was uh, not, a, it was not just... Um, us that created these larger photos, but actually the Malians themselves who actually did these enlarged photographs. Well, I would like, if you would permit me, uh, to, to listen just a few, uh, a few words from Mali who told, he told me in 91. If you can translate just <laughs> uh, no, from here. Okay. From here. Okay. It's very, very simple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to flatter myself, but I have uh, the talent of an observer, and very early on I had an artist's taste. In fact, I've always thought of being an artist. Uh, man has, has always wanted to become immortal through writing, painting and sculpture. I think that photography is the best way of living for a long time after death. No way. Um, every artist wants to communicate his work. Uh, this, the, it is, it is, um, it no, is man's job to be to be recognized for what he does. So that's to say to to, to, to tell you, Malik Sidibe said, "I'm an artist, not only a photographer." No. When, he, when he was in, his work was included in Rencontre de Bamako. What, what work was it? And was it small scale or large scale? Do you, do you uh, 50, for 50 by 60. Okay, interesting. Uh, in uh, 94, there was Keta Sidibe and Samuel Fosso was the three uh, very famous uh, photographers who become also famous through this, uh, this uh, events. And uh, Keta, we showed uh, uh, Francois Huguier and Descamps, 
they organized the first rencontre. And uh, uh, the, the prince was 50 by 60 for, for, uh, for Keta, and for Malik, 40 by 50 and 50 by 60. Not, not bigger at <coughs> that time. Um, I'm conscious that we're running out of time, and the translation does take that much more time. <coughs> it's great to be able to understand uh, the detail of the conversation, so thank you, Sheila. I wanted just to swing across to the, the work that's also upstairs around the river um, bank, where this is an area about seven kilometers outside of Bamako, where the youth would go to sort of party and um, just interact with each other, and of course away from any adults. So they were able to live a much more sort of carefree and uh, semi-naked, as it transpires, um, sort of weekend. But I was just uh, curious, to hear a little bit more from you, Andre, about this kind of body of work and how, how you think of it in relation to the, the photographs that he took in the club, but also some of the studio portraits which I'll show in a moment. <laughs> because the day after the, after the Friday, uh, Friday night on Saturday night, particularly Saturday night, after the party, uh, they, 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 um, they sleep very early in the morning, five o'clock, like me when I dance to and, uh, um, and uh, in the morning they wake up and everybody, uh, everybody go to the Fleuve Niger uh, to, uh, to continue the party, to, to kiss the girl, um, <laughs> uh, to, to wash them, themselves, to, to play because uh, on the beach, they, uh, sur la, à la plage, ils ont emmené aussi des pick-up avec les 45 tours et ils poursuivaient, ils poursuivaient les, les surprises parties au bord du fleuve d'hiver et ils mm -hmm. en profitaient pour laver, laver les vêtements euh, euh, qu'ils avaient salis la veille au soir parce que ça s'appelait des balles poussières. Mm -hmm. hein, les parties, c'était balles poussières. Et donc, ils étaient aussi pleins de poussière. Et donc, le lendemain, ils allaient au fleuve d'Iger pour se baigner, mm -hmm. pour continuer à danser, pour continuer à draguer les filles qu'ils avaient, qu avaient un peu euh, euh, tentées tenté la veille. Mm -hmm. <rire> et, euh, bon, voilà, la, la fête continuait au bord du fleuve d'Iger parce que mm -hmm. c'était extrêmement agréable. Et, et donc, Malik, le lendemain, était convié à suivre les jeunes. Et il tenait lui-même à les suivre. Et il a, il a, il a repris les, tous les jeux, euh, les, le, le garçon et la fille peut-être, là ils, ils font semblant de, de, de se battre, mais c'est un, un jeu, on les voit dans l'eau, euh, comment ils sont... Euh, c'est un prolongement en fait des, des surprises parties du mm -hmm. samedi soir. Et ça mm -hmm. c'est le dimanche après-midi, fin de matinée, après-midi, euh, où ils se retrouvent encore une fois au fleuve Niger avant de reprendre l'école le lundi matin, comme Koyo l'a fait si bien. Yes. Um, well, they would go down to the river to continue really the party from the night before, these surprise parties so-called. They would go down there to the river to wash themselves and to wash their clothes because the dances were known as the dust dances because they would always get dusty. So they would go to the river and wash themselves and wash their clothes and to continue the dancing, continue the party and to continue flirting uh, if they wish to. So uh, this was all uh, a very happy atmosphere and Malik Sidibe would follow them and in the continuing their party and take more photographs. 
You can see them there in the water. Oh, um, so this would be probably on a Sunday afternoon after the surprise party of Saturday evening. And they would continue into, into Sunday before going back to school on Monday morning. Well, Malik Sidabe is interesting to me because he worked outside of the studio before actually starting to work in the studio, which is quite different to other photographers in, in West Africa. So, as I understand it, he had one of the first cameras that had a flash in Mali, which is why he was able to work in the nightclubs when so many other photographers weren't. But then, of course, he's, he's going outside the studio again in the daytime. It's a very different kind of photography, but still he's at a distance, he's observing uh, his subjects performing for the camera, so to speak. The studio pictures which he goes on to make, um, I think we're just going to take a little bit of time to talk about. This is, was this how the studio looked when you first arrived in 1991? No. no. When I arrived, it was like a garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, because uh, uh, since the 70s, he stopped... Uh, um, he stopped to follow the, the young people in the in seventy seven uh, uh, because the, the the life become hard and hard and hard uh, for many reasons and uh, the black and white was too expensive and the colors come in the seventy seven seventy eight with the Japanese machine who who print very quickly and very cheap. Uh, um, and uh, when I arrived for the first time in 91, uh, he repaired photo apparatus. And sometimes he make identity, identity, identity pictures, very, very small. So the black and white disappear. The uh, Malik also was maybe too old to, to follow the young people, but the, the sure. party was finished in the 70s. <coughs> There's was no money because... Uh, uh, and uh, when I come for the first time, it was really, uh, except the negative, who was in the box, the yellow box, uh, not here. Uh, after, but when he became famous after 94, uh, on uh, 94 with the Rencontre Photographique de Bamako, and the first show in Paris, after he traveled around the world, he has money, and he a arranged his studio, he trouvé found all the cameras, he a made a very, very good studio, and it's become a place, on va dire, touristic, incontournable, presque comme la Tour Eiffel. Mm -hmm. So he, he then tidied up his studio, he found all his cameras, and it became a beautiful studio and almost a tourist attraction to, to rival the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, even now, now, now it's dead. But in the in the nineties and uh, to, to during the two thousand, his studio was really, really good yeah. uh, uh, because he has he, he he earned a lot of money and uh, his son is are working on the archives. Everything was properly uh, so organized. I mean, like Kater Cedarbear, when he was in his studio, he favored very simple setups and as you can see in this image. He also, as I understand it, over several decades, only marginally changed the setup and the backdrop. He always favoured quite a simple graphic um, and often black and white mm -hmm. sort of display. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit about how he worked with his subjects? Because he, he had this amazing charisma 
and was able to encourage people, even the most reticent, to really act out and bring props. And indeed, I think he had some boxes of, of clothes and props that he would uh, encourage people to, to use. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to be in that studio as a subject? No, no, no. No. Uh, um, Keta has a lot of uh, 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 tie, hat, uh, watch, uh, clothes, but no, nothing. 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 He never told me. Okay. He, uh, the, the people come with come things. with their own clothes, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was impossible. Uh, who? Um, no, no, no. The people come to. The young people come to their friends, come as they want. Like we see the cowboy, the cowboy with his arm. He was dressed in cowboy. He had wanted to have an image of Malik Sidibé because he was happy to be a cowboy, to be a faux cowboy, to be dressed as a cowboy. Cowboy, cowboy. 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 Sorry. It's okay. Cowboy. No, the people came dressed as they pleased, really. Look at it. Yeah, they were proud to be photographed by C.D. Bay. And you can see in this image that they've come as cowboys. But all... This one probably was a boxer. Or the... Huh? Ça, c'est les amis des Espagnols, non? <laughs> There was a club, a club called Les Amis des Espagnols. I don't know why. Maybe because through the music, Spanish music. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But there was also one called Moscow, and it was called that because it was very cold inside. So <laughs> Sorry? Il y avait un club qui s'appelait Moscou parce que c'était très froid de Oui, 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 c'est vrai. C'est vrai. But yeah, coming with all these. With props, fancy watches, new earrings. Um. That is a very late one. Yeah, so that's. No, it's new, well, because because uh, um, in the end of nineties or early, uh, yeah, end of nineties, um, we organized the shooting for Harper Bazaar, yeah. for Keta on CDB, and. Uh, uh, it's more like a fashion shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's late, late prints, yeah. late uh, pictures. Whereas this one's an early Except, one. Except, no, this one, no. This no, one was this from, from the 70s. Yeah, yeah. yeah 70s. But just to show you, in terms of the way that he was working, it hadn't actually shifted that much, even though his international <coughs> reputation had. And so, you know, the, the fashion photographs that he was doing in the late 90s, but also uh, this rather amusing shot of me, uh, taken in 2009. The I know her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the space is still relatively unchanged. And I think what you alluded to earlier about it being a tourist attraction is absolutely right. Um, I've got a picture here of uh, Martin Parr, Malik Sidibe. And indeed, during each rencontre, he was you know, a really important figure to go and see. And uh, Many many Europeans were wow. photographed taken by him. From '96, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds uh, uh, famous people who go to to see the Dogon, yeah. you know, uh, they stop in Bamako two days, and everybody wants a picture uh, uh, made by 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 Malik, like uh, 
Philip Stark, uh, many, many famous people, uh, Martin Parr, of course, <laughs> and many others, uh, Peter, Peter Bird, uh, I can't remember. So, many. so at that point, Malik's Peter not Gabriel, <coughs> many, 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 many. So at that point, he's not really taking It was like uh, uh, an obligation uh, before to go to the Bandiagara, Bandiagara in the Dogon. They stop in Bamako two days to have their, 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 their picture by, made by Malik. He was so happy. Mm -hmm. And it was a new life for him. He, the black and white come back and he earned a lot of money. He, he, he built houses. During the Biennale, when we have, we show, you showed um, uh, Malik Sidibe with the lion on the head. Yeah. And he said, and he cried on me, yeah. and he said, uh, uh, he paid for his village for one, more than 1,800 people. He buys some uh, uh, machine agricole. Uh, agricultural machinery. Yes, mm -hmm. he, 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 he creates a road, he buys a bus, it was free from all, all the people from the East Village to come in Bamako, it's 400 kilometers, he paid for everything. People uh, was in hospital, he paid. He, he gave his money to everybody. It was really fantastic mm. then. But he also had, I believe, four wives and about 15 or 17 children, depending on who you believe. Um, I wonder how, how, how complicated that makes it to work with the estate and in terms oh. of the legacy. Because at this point, you know, he's, he's only been deceased a few months, but I imagine that it's a fairly complicated process. It will be, for Keta it was very complicated, much more than, than Malik, because um, uh, he, 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 has, uh, he has 13, 14 children, and uh, um, all the, uh, Keta keep his money for himself, mm -hmm. nobody knows, but Malik, Malik gives the money to everybody. So all the children live quite, quite well through the money. And uh, um, we, I organized with the uh, Modi Sidibe, who was the, the um, dire, son, son, son père a nommé Modi Sidibe pour gérer uh, les, les biens, l'argent qu'il gagnait. Et quand même, uh, uh, Malik a fait construire une très grande maison où toute la famille habite, les quatre femmes, sont trois. La quatrième, uh, il l'a vanille. Um, et, et on a construit aussi, enfin, ils, ils ont fait construire une très très grande maison sur la colline euh, euh, qui, qui sera une maison de rapport avec une trentaine, une vingtaine d'appartements et le rez-de-chaussée est fini maintenant, il loue à une école. Alors, pour dire que Malik Sidibé avait le souci du partage, n'a rien gardé pour lui-même, lui il touchait même pas l'argent. Euh, euh, il, il partageait tout avec son village, avec les gens de Bamako qu'il aimait, qu'il le connaissait bien. Il ne voulait pas voir la misère et donc euh, il suffisait de venir le voir pour qu'il euh, qu qu partage sa fortune avec tout le monde. Mm -hmm. Même plus avec, le, avec le, les gens du village, les gens de Bamako qu'avec sa famille même. Mm -hmm. okay. C'est ça, c'est une réponse de question ou autre Je ne suis pas sûre. Son père, 
Ah oui, non, pour, dire que, pour, pour, pour dire que la succession sera plus simple. Parce que, je, euh, je peux... Can I translate what yeah, you yeah, yeah. Pardon, okay. yeah. um, Yes, um, Modi, Sidi uh, uh, was nominated by his father to manage the money. Um, Malik built a very large house, which was supposed to be for his wives. Uh, he built the house on the hill. It's got three to 30 to 40 apartments in it. And the ground floor is now finished and is being rented out to a school. So re really nothing was for him himself. He shared everything with the village and the people of the village. And uh, he didn't like to see people in poverty. <coughs> in fact, he seemed to share more with the people of the village than he did with his own family. Mm. Uh, what I wanted to say for the succession, I was in Bamako for the 40 days after his death. On fête, on fait une grande fête, et donc je suis allé là, et toute la, tous les gens, les amis du village sont venus, spécialement, et aussi euh, j'ai découvert que Malik Sidibé avait financé les études d'un monsieur qui est aujourd'hui général, un autre qui est euh, pilote d'avion, et un autre qui est quasiment procureur de la République, et euh, ces trois personnes-là qui sont qui sont, on va dire, qui, qui sont très éduqués, euh, on, on l'a, comme ils ont été financés par Malik Sidibé pour faire arriver à ce niveau d'études, la famille considère que ces trois personnes-là sont autorisées à, à, à aussi superviser ce qui se passera par la suite. Bon, maintenant, euh, les enfants, sachant qu'ils ont bien vécu pendant plus de 20 ans, euh, du commerce qu'il y a eu avec euh, les galeries Agnès B, 51 Galleries, Huckleberry à Londres, 5 euh, Galleries in the, in the World, ou 6 Galleries in the World. Euh, euh, ils ont bien vécu de ça. Donc il y a une grande confiance euh, qu'ils ont, qu ont renouvelée. Euh, le seul problème, c'est qu'on euh, se demande est-ce que c'est bien de faire des tirages non signés, approuvés par la famille, mais qui vont devenir comme une sorte de poster pour que les enfants puissent continuer à vivre bien de l'œuvre de leur père. Mmh. Ou... Euh... Ça, c'est une, une grande question. Mmh. Mmh. Moi, je ne sais pas. Euh, faire du poster, ce n'est pas, pas bien. Mais en même temps, euh, qu'est-ce que vont devenir ces 500 000 négatifs mmh. Euh, Est-ce que la famille acceptera que soit, tout soit, par exemple, euh, numérisé Et dans quel but Et pour gagner quoi que Quand on a été habitué pendant 30 ans à, à ne pas travailler, à vivre bien de, de, des œuvres de son père, tout d'un coup, il n'y a plus rien. Tout le monde a payé ce qu'il devait, les galeries, tout le monde a tout payé. Donc, je ne sais pas qu'est-ce qui va se passer après. On réfléchit avec la famille. Vous avez dit que vous ne saviez pas s'ils allaient, allaient renouveler, renouveler quoi Non, 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 ils, vont, ils, ils renouvellent leur confiance uh -huh, à, okay. au travail ah, okay, qu'on a fait. Okay. Mais c'est nous qui ne savons pas comment mm -hmm. aborder cette question, c'est compliqué. Mm -hmm. D'accord. Mm -hmm. uh, the question is about the, the succession. Um, I was in Bamako uh, for the 40 days after uh, Malik's death, and every day friends came. He actually financed the education of uh, three particular people, a pilot, a general, and someone who's become more or less the state prosecutor. So her, the, the family considered that these three people are 
have some authority to oversee the succession. Now, the, his children have lived very well for 20 years off, what, off the galleries that his father had, five or six galleries around the world. And so there's some confidence that, um, this, that they will continue to manage things well. Um, but what's not certain is whether there will be an agreement to authorise and to continue to live off what their father did. There are, for example, around 5,000 negatives still there. Will they continue to produce these? And will they accept these for these to be uh, catalogued, to be numbered? And uh, will they then continue to, to live off these? This is, this is the question, and uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. They've lived very well for 30 years. Everything's been paid for. But um, how long are they going to keep living off of what their father has done? The first step is next year, a big, a big show with a new book, uh, much, much more important than the first we did in 96. Uh, and after that, we will decide. Maybe there is a foundation uh, 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 who maybe want to take care of his negatives, but I don't know if the family is agree. Because who can, can, can uh, uh, numerize 500 mil negatives, nettoyer 500 mil negatives? Organize. <sighs> Mm -hmm. I think we've, we we're know. running out of time. I don't know if we have a moment for one or two questions. Yes. Can we, uh, we need to just wait for the microphones yeah. to reach you, please. If you could put up your hands so that the mics can come to you if you have any questions. Sorry, was there, a, was there a difference between um, when he shot on square and when he shot on 35? Because a lot of the contact shit seemed to be like 35 and not square. That. And I'm just wondering if the square images Sorry, were shot. Sorry, could, could we just ask you to speak up because we can't hear you very well at the front. Maybe you could stand. Yeah. With the square images, were they shot, was there a different idea behind the square images to the 35s? Because a lot of the contact shit seemed to be 35 images that were sold, you know, to individuals from clubs. So I'm just wondering when he shot the square, was that... Was he thinking about making something that was like a more personal? When he shot the 35? Is the squares? Is he talking about the pushes? No, what he's talking about the square format. Okay. Il y avait des photos en format de carré. Et puis, alors. Le format 24-36. Et il y avait des autres, 35 mm. So, for example, mm -hmm. these are different formats, mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. ratios. Mm -hmm. Pourquoi il décidé de faire comme ça? Je pense que, uh, d'abord, le, le, uh, au, au début, il a fait la photographie, on trouvait plus facilement des 6-6, des négatifs 6-6. Mm -hmm. Et uh, par la suite, uh, c'est devenu très cher. Mmh. Et il n'y avait plus personne pour importer, parce que lorsque le pays devient mmh. indépendant, mmh. euh, c'était mmh. euh, Gégé la pellicule en particulier, mais mmh. d'autres Français qui étaient installés là comme photographes et qui importaient le matériel de mmh. chez Kodak, par exemple, mmh. ou ACFA, euh, et on trouvait des négatifs 6-6. Mais très vite, euh, d'abord le 24-36 est devenu plus populaire, beaucoup moins cher, Euh, mais malheureusement, les photographies sont souvent moins, moins, euh, moins, comment dire, moins extraordinaires que les, 
connaissent 6-6. Lui-même le reconnaissait. Mais c'était une question de coût, mais aussi de mm -hmm. disponibilité sur le marché à Bamako. Mm -hmm. okay. ah. Um, first of all, it was easier to find the, for, the six by six um, format, and it was it was very expensive, and the the others were not imported. Um, uh, Gérard Guillard oui. um, left. Left, yeah, and uh, he, but he imported the photographs yeah. from Kodak, the 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 paper from Kodak and Kodak and Agfa, etc. The 24 by 36 then became more popular, but it was, it was less expensive, but it was also less. Uh, less appealing, and um, it, it was all about cost and availability. Yeah. Are there other questions? There's one at the back. Oh, uh, if you don't mind, can I ask the question in French, in French and you yeah. translate it in English okay. because It's too complicated for me to say it oh in English. Okay, thank you. Venant moi-même de Côte d'Ivoire, en fait, j'ai grandi en Côte d'Ivoire et après je suis partie en France. Je trouve que ce genre de photos, on ne les trouve plus. Cette idée, cette image, ces photos qui vivent comme ça, on ne les trouve plus en fait en Afrique de l'Ouest. Donc je voulais savoir quelle est la relève. Est-ce que de nos jours, on a des photographes qui sont qui font ce genre de photos au, au Mali ou euh, c'est un art qu'on a perdu. Oh. Je, je vais te relire. Ouais, ouais, je... Ah oui. Um, yeah, I, I come from the Ivory Coast. Um, I think that we we actually can't find this type of photograph or image anymore in in West Africa. Are there any photographers nowadays, perhaps in Mali or elsewhere, doing this type of photography? Mm. Bah déjà déjà pour répondre à cette question, c'est la première chose, c'est quand même euh, L'esprit des années 60, des années 70, il y a longtemps qu'il n'est plus là, n'est-ce pas euh, En termes musical, euh, en termes de, de, comment dire, de, de développement de, de, de ces années 60-70, en Afrique comme en Europe, je veux dire, euh, il y avait une liberté qu'il n'y a certainement plus aujourd'hui. Euh, on n'écoute plus les mêmes musiques. Maintenant, c'est le hula-hop, pas le hula-hop, le, le hip-hop. Mm -hmm. euh, euh, <rire> il y a aussi un peu de, 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 de pop music, mais disons, on n'a plus le twist, on n'a plus, plus cette ambiance-là. Euh, et et, 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 et c'est sûr que si à l'époque, il pouvait avoir des chaussures Bata, euh, ben, ou des chaussures André, mais pas André euh, Manien, mais les chaussures le boutin, c'est déjà plus, plus compliqué parce qu'on ne les trouve pas en, 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 en Afrique et c'est beaucoup trop cher. Donc, euh, <rire> mais, non, non, c'est plus du tout la même, la même époque. Mais maintenant, en Afrique, vous avez des, vous avez des quantités de jeunes photographes euh, qui, qui, euh, comment dire, qui font du reportage, qui font du studio. Vous avez Omar Victor Diop, par exemple, c'est un bel exemple au Sénégal. Euh, de, de photographes qui revendiquent, euh, qui, qui avouent, euh, qui reconnaît sa dette à Sédou Keita et sa dette à Alexis Libé, mais qui réinvente euh, 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 avec la couleur, euh, en créant lui-même des modes, des fonds, des poses euh, qui sont typiques des années, euh, années 2000-2010. Et, et Diop est un exemple, mais il y en a beaucoup d'autres. 
qui donne de l'Afrique. Vous avez des artistes, des, des photographes nigérians ben, qui, eux, sont plus dans la... Comment dire euh, euh, Dans le... Euh, photo, une sorte de photojournalisme parce qu'ils euh, ont envie de, de faire connaître ce qui se passe aujourd'hui dans leur pays. Les Congolais, il y a plein de photographes. Kiripi, par exemple, qu'on a montré à la Fondation Gartier il n'y a pas longtemps. Kiripi a fait des œuvres en prenant de Kinshasa dans les, sur les flaques d'eau. Bon, eh bien, à l'époque, à Bamako ou, ou même au, euh, à Cotonou ou, ou, à, ou, ou au Togo ou ailleurs, personne n'allait prendre, prendre une photographie euh, de la ville inversée dans les flaques d'eau. C'était impensable. Aujourd'hui, les artistes africains, euh, Kiripi en particulier, par exemple, prend Kinshasa dans les flaques d'eau euh, mm -hmm. euh, à Kinshasa. Donc c'est aussi euh, une prise de conscience de l'importance de la photographie dans l'art et que des artistes s'emparent de cet outil comme, comme d'un pinceau. Donc euh, on ne peut pas regretter de ne, pas, de ne mm -hmm. plus avoir ce genre de photos, c'est une autre okay. époque. Ok. Mm. Non vous avez Mendo Mori euh, au Sénégal aussi, qui lui fait oui. des reportages. Euh... Attendez, attendez. Oh, euh, vous avez mentionné le nom d'un photographe, euh, d'un photographe. Diop. Omar Victor Diop. Diop, ouais. au Mali. Ah, non, au Sénégal. Non, non. Au Sénégal. Le nom, ouais, le nom au Sénégal. de la personne au Sénégal, c'est qui Omar Victor Diop. Ah, c'est un exemple. Il y a, à Bamako, il y a aussi des exemples de photographes. Euh... Je n'ai pas saisi le nom, c'est pour mm. ça. Um, Well, uh, first of all, the, the whole spirit, the whole mood of the 60s and 70s is not there anymore um, in terms of music or development. In the 60s and 70s, the whole of, of Africa was feeling this freedom, which we don't have anymore now. It's not the same music anymore. And now we've got hip hop and, and other types of music, a little bit of pop, but it's not the same. We don't have the twist anymore. We don't have the same kind of atmosphere at all. We don't have the same kind of shoes either. The shoes are very specific. You've mentioned a number of different Fashion types of, of fashionable shoes at the yeah. time. But this is, not the same, this is not the same time. In Africa, however, there are lots of young photographers who are doing reportage and who are doing studio pictures. And um, in Senegal, for example, Omar Victor uh, Diop, Diop um, it's, uh, they recognize their debt to Malik Sidi Bey and they're sort of reinventing as well colors and fashion and poses. And these are typical, though, of the, two, of the years 2000-2010. There are some Nigerian photographers who are doing a kind of photojournalism, and uh, they want Nigeria, Nigeria, yes, Nigeria, and they, because they want to show the events that are happening in their country. For example, they've they've got photographs of Kinshasa and all the puddles there. Uh, in Bamako, they, at, that, at that time, they would never have taken a photograph like that. But nowadays, there, uh, people will take photographs of uh, Kinshasa with, with the puddles. Uh, this, um, of course, this is very important um, in, in art to, to, to show this. This is what they, they think they should be doing, showing what's happening in their country. Okay. I think we're going to have to draw this discussion to a conclusion. Uh, huge thanks to Sheila for translating. Thank you. And to Andra Mania for being here today and sharing your insights about Manu Thank you to invite me. And thank you very much for all Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry for my bad English. Thank you so much. Please do join us.